Hello, and welcome to the Still to be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I'm Sean Farrell. I am a writer. I'm Matt's older brother. And with me is Matt, and he's going to say hello now. Hello now. <laughs> Before we get into the episode, just a couple quick reminders about ways that you can support the podcast. You can like this video or you can share the podcast with your friends or you can go to stilltbd.fm. There's a link on that page. You can throw some coins in our cookie jar. However you choose to support us, we appreciate it. All the support does really help. And also a few comments on our last episode where we were talking about space mining. Tim Longson wrote, space mining and bringing back, quote, precious metals affecting the, quote, value of the existing amounts on Earth. I say good. The idea that people are so insecure that not only do they want something like gold, but they want others to not have it because it's rare is childishly selfish. Gold would not change its appearance or properties if there were loads more. The only change would be imagination of the selfish. And I actually endorse this thinking. I, I yeah. like the idea of bringing back all these materials that are so precious for our use as opposed to just something pretty. And so diluting the market that super wealthy people are forced to do things like hoard cow dung, something that is suddenly the most rare material on earth. Well, sadly, though, there was another comment I saw that brought up the point of even if they did bring all of it back, um, the companies that brought it back would hoard it and release it in small amounts right. to not affect the price. It would be like what happens with diamonds. It's like we actually have plenty of diamonds, but there's basically one company, isn't it? De Beers. Yeah, basically owns all the diamonds in the world and they only trickle them out at a rate that keeps them very expensive. Yeah, it keeps them a, as a precious stone. They're actually yeah. not rarer than other stones. Yeah. Yeah. There was also an interesting comment from, oh my gosh, ponies, which I would love to know the origin of that name. <laughs> ponies wrote, how do you power space mines? Nuclear power, solar power, other is it possible to process the meteors in space? Is it possible to go from raw ore to finished electronics on the moon or Mars? Can you have a clean room on the moon? So just a few quick questions for you. What, what is the model of thinking? Is it do as much as possible in space or is it actually bringing stuff back? I think right now the, the basic where everybody's looking is doing as much as you can in space because it reduces the cost of getting things into space if you can do everything there. And then it also reduces the cost of not having to worry about bringing things back. But I think in the long term that that will shift as things get cheaper, and easier to do. Right. It's a little analogous to earthbound exploration. Initially, yeah. Yeah. you bring it back to the home country and then eventually you're like, we don't want to bring it back. And that's then the separation of colony from homeland. Mm -hmm. And a final comment from the last episode from Michael Hensby, who I believe is responding to my weekly call out to share the podcast with your friends. Michael writes, friends, I don't have friends, weeps <laughs> in nerdies. Michael, I feel your pain. <laughs> so for today's episode, we're going to be talking about Matt's most recent episode from his channel, and it's the episode, Is Mycelium Fungus the Plastic of the Future? Question mark. Kind of always have that question mark. If, if you ever don't have the question mark, I don't know how I'm going to read it. I'm just <laughs> going to trail off and then have to wander 
away. Well, what you'll do is you'll go, how will I respond to this question mark? <laughs> <laughs> this episode dropped on June 22nd, 2021. And the idea of utilizing the mycelium as a plastic, I mean, if you don't like the idea at first, it will grow on you. <laughs> I'll just let that one. Let that one sit. I'll just let that one simmer. Let it seep in. Yeah, let let everybody soak in that for a little bit. <laughs> this generated a lot of response on in the comments, including from disgusted Luigi. Again, I would love to know the origin of this username. Uh, <laughs> Luigi writes: Even if mycelium only replaces plastic in packaging, that's an enormous win. Yeah. This is, and that taps into a really great idea that sometimes massive change is made in very small ways. Mm -hmm. Here in New York City, we are, I think we're just about just past the one year anniversary of our no plastic bags uh, introduction, which started, strangely enough, shortly after the pandemic shutdown of New York city in early March in April, I believe it was, we went into the city ordinance that had gone through the legal system. Um, basically bag manufacturers sued the city to stop not. the city from yeah. banning the use of plastic bags. Yeah. Uh, among other things that were also banned styrofoam containers in takeout food, uh, Straws are in short commodity now, and if you do find them, very often you find them as paper straws, um, but plastic shopping bags that you would get at the grocery store. And it was not unusual. You go out for an afternoon walk, you, you go to a few stores, you come back with eight to ten new plastic bags that, of course, yeah. you have no use for, and throw them away or stick them in the back of a closet with the somehow concept that, well, I'll use these in the future. You never do. Mm -hmm. And so now we've entered this new year that we've just finished of uh, going into stores and basically being told we can sell you a reusable bag for a fee, or mm -hmm. we can give you a paper bag also for a modest fee. It's similar to buying a can of soda where you put down a deposit. You get a paper bag. Now it costs you five cents. It's all for the encouragement of have a reusable bag that you just use. Yep. Carry something with you. And it's a little hit or miss in my personal life. Very often I decide, well, I'm going to go shopping. And I'm at the store when I realize I didn't bring a bag with me. I don't have anything to carry. So I do have to pay the deposit for paper bags or I've, I've purchased a few reusable bags from some of the grocery stores. The biggest change that came out of all this the streets are cleaner. Yeah. It was not unusual around my neighborhood to see tumbleweeds made of plastic bags blowing down the sidewalk, blowing in the road, getting caught <laughs> in trees. Yeah. Looking disgusting. It made the neighborhood look dirty. A simple thing like that has had an impact where plastic bags being gone simply removed waste from our streets. It was mm -hmm. not unusual to throw stuff away in the garbage and then for whatever reason the garbage spills out and those bags end up going everywhere right so it's little things like that i think that this 
this uh, comment about packaging, mycelium packaging. If people don't yet have the ability to, you showed a brick, mycelium mm-hmm. brick. Yep. If that's not able to be used for actual housing, right. there are still so many things that mycelium could replace Yes, that would have a huge impact. Do you have a few other examples that come to mind quickly about a place where something like this could be used that would have a small but continued impact moving forward? Well, most of the places that you're seeing it now are just in the packaging realm. So it's like when you get shipments of like a wine bottle or something like that, like you have the container that inside the container holds the thing in place so it doesn't get jostled around too much and doesn't break. It's like that's the number one place where you're kind of starting to see this a lot. Um, and that brick I bought is the kind of a, it wasn't meant to like build something with. It was a sample brick that I, that, right. that I bought. But the company, they have samples that you can buy of all these different styles of packaging that you can get um, to do pretty much anything you want. It's like anything that you can imagine that plastic would be used for in a shipping kind of container. It's like they can do it. And so it's like, that's where it's all at right now. And then if you look beyond that, it's the things like the food items, like the, the fake meats, the fake leathers, um, that are getting used in shoes. Um, that one to me was the most interesting because it's like, when you think about, oh, well, this is a biodegradable product. How's it going to hold up on a shoe, (laughs) which is going to get wet from time to time and all this kind of stuff. It's like, it's going to last as long as a normal material would on that shoe. So it's, it's, they are very durable. (laughs) <laughs> you, so it's a fake leather it. it's a yeah. it's a it's a grown leather yeah um and this is actually something that keith price commented on on your video he's he said i'm having a hard time reconciling the biodegradability of the substance with the longevity if the stuff breaks down quickly how can it be used in products that last for months or years well, so is break, there something about something yes, about it, a treatment that it goes through after it's put in the shape of like shoe leather does it go through a treatment process or is it just inherently can it be grown in such a way that it has a toughness that would last for a year so you could wear the shoes out and then when you throw them away they would break down over time it has a toughness and you're you're basically cooking it you're baking it which kills it and gives it some strength but the breaking it down the thing that i probably didn't explain it well in the video is you're composting it so it has to be in an environment that is moist and dark and full of microbes that are going to kind of eat it away, eat away at it. It's like, it's like a house that's made of wood, uh, wood doesn't just rot in a year. It's like, if you took that wood and put it in a compost heap, it would degrade in a few months. But when it's on your house, it's not in that setting with the microbes and the moisture and all that kind of thing. So it can last for a hundred years. Right. So it's the same thing with this. It's like, it can last a very long time if it's used properly, but when you want to dispose of it, you can compost it and in 30 to 45 days it's broken down so it's it's kind of the the best of both worlds so it's think about it in the terms of several comments came up about this is think about it like wood it's like wood yeah. is an organic material that's very strong lasts a long time but you can easily break it down if it, if you put it in the right environment to break it down it's a little bit of a mind puzzle to think well i can make this into a shoe or I can make this new a brick, or I can eat it. <laughs> tasty, tasty mushroom. It's that it's that leap that's very interesting to me. And you mentioned it's because there's something about the growth of fiber in the mycelium that is similar to Muscle. meat fiber. 
which you you said a couple of times in your video. I'm sorry if this is gross. And there were people commenting like, like you're currently describing eating what is in a category with vegetables. You're describing. Yeah, I was, but I wasn't. I wasn't saying it's gross from the sense of eating a mushroom is gross. I was saying it from the point of view of a vegan or a vegetarian that doesn't eat meat because they don't want to eat an animal, and having to talk about it as it's just like muscle. It's like that's the part that I was talking about. It's gross. It's from a, a vegan's perspective. Like my wife is vegetarian and she doesn't eat meat because she loves the animals and she doesn't want to hurt the animals. And right. so I was thinking about it from her perspective of somebody that doesn't want to think about oh muscle tissue. It's like yeah. This thing that's, you know, this vegetable, it's just like muscle tissue. It's like, I thought that was going to be gross from their perspective. Okay. Like looking back. On okay. It. Yeah. I think that, I think that in my approach to it, it would be if they're not interested in eating muscle tissue at all, they're not going to be eating that bacon or fake meat to begin with. So True. what do they True. care if you're talking about it? it's like muscle tissue True. to them? It's all like, it's all in the category of not my thing. Um, well, it's, well, it's, it's, it's like, um, was it impossible burger? Yeah. I've become obsessed with Impossible Burger and my wife and I were, I was eating a ton of it before she would even touch it. And part of the reason she didn't want to touch it was I kept saying, it's just like real meat. It's like, oh my God, it's juicy like real meat. And look, it's pink and it's juicy. It's all, it looks yeah. like blood. And she was like, squeeze I, it, it looks like it's got yeah. blood. <laughs> and she was like, I want nothing to do with this because it was like, it was too close to being real. And right. then I finally convinced her to taste it and she actually really, really liked it. So it's like, I, it was from her perspective. I was thinking. Right. Was like, so this is all before you find out that Beyond Burger is made out of people. Yes. Okay. But it's still delicious. Yeah. <laughs> you are what you eat. So one of the questions, this came from Penny Lane. Um, Penny wrote, so the forms for the mycelium to grow in, are they called mold molds or <laughs> mold molds with a U in the UK? And... Penny jokingly touches on a good question. Are all the things that you're talking about effectively filled in through growth or is a thing grown and then harvested and turned into some sort of fiber that then okay. is used to recreate a thing? It's grown in molds. Okay. So you basically create the mold, the shape of the thing that you want, and then you fill it with this pulpy filler, which could be like wood bits or hemp bits or something like that, along with the mycelium mixture. And then you basically just let it grow and it grows over the course of a week into the form. And then when it's done, they take it out and they shave off the excess, basically dump it out, bake it. And there you go. So in it's only a week. It grows in about a week. Yeah. Okay. That's remarkable. Um, and which there were several comments of saying that's too slow um, to replace plastics because plastics can be done so fast. And the thing I think people forget about is when a company orders, you know, we need like Ikea says, OK, we need, you know, these forms for shipping this specific product. They're not ordering that for the next day. Yeah, They're ordering that one or two quarters in advance. You know, right. we know we're going to need based on know, half this a quarter sales. We're projecting six months we're, away. Yeah, yeah, we'll need half a million of these next quarter. So it's like, you just ramp it up. It's like, it doesn't matter that it takes a week or if it takes a day. It's like the companies can scale it to fit whatever the orders are ahead of time. So it's like that week time frame is not going to hold it back. Right. So it is effectively the same material when that mold over there is grown in the shape of a thin 
sheet intended for shoe leather. Mm-hmm. And this mold over here is shaped in a bacon-like loaf that can be well, sliced. For the meats, it might be a little different. They might be just growing kind of loaves and then just slicing it. Yeah. You know, they might be doing it in a different way. Um, but when you're talking about the shipping containers and packaging, they're they're growing them in the mold of the shape that it will be. Right. But my my point was... If you cracked open both those molds, like mm-hmm. the one that looks like a loaf that's meant for human consumption and the yeah. one that's shaped like a wine bottle to be able to safely ship wine in the mail, the material inside both is the same. Not completely because okay. it's, what the, it's what they mix the mycelium with because okay. it's, it's usually mixed with some kind of filler. So like the stuff that's going to be consumed my I, I don't know specifically but it's like it's going to probably be mainly mycelium and maybe some other like edible things that are in there where when it's the shipping it could be wood chips so obviously you're not going to be putting wood chips yeah in the food so it's it's one of those it's mixed with things but the heart of it the mycelium is pretty much the same that's it's still astounding and and thinking about like whatever the material is that allows for the consumption, human consumption for one plant to be able to produce any number of products using mycelium would allow for, I imagine a wide range of products and adaptability for a company. It seems like, and I do not go to this place with any intention (laughs) of a pun, but it really does seem like a growth industry where <laughs> I apologize. I mean, I really, it's such a bad pun that I wanted yeah. to give everybody a real like good warning, a big <laughs> warning that it was not intentional whatsoever. Here it but it seems like this would be a product. The mycelium itself would be a product that you would really to get in now at the beginning of the industry could have so many different places where you could end up as far as a producer of something, whether it's fake shoe leather or you're making something for handbags or shipping containers or even food products. It's really, it's really quite varied. Wasn't it last week where I was saying I'm not a financial advisor. So take this with a guy. I'm saying this again, I'm not a financial advisor, but part of the, the technologies that I'm talking about when I talk about this kind of stuff, these are all things that you can totally see this is going to be a boom industry. And so it's like, if you're into investing, you probably should be looking at things like Ecovative and all the spinoff companies that are licensing their technologies to do this stuff because we're, we're rapidly heading into places like this. And it makes so much sense. And when you look at like costs of manufacturing and how in some cases it's almost on par, it's getting very close to there. And you look at how the price has been dropping. It's like, it's clear it's going to become price parity in not too long in many cases. When that happens, it's like, it's going to explode. And so it's like, if you want to kind of get in the ground floor, it's kind of like, this is the kind of places to look. At this point, this is, as far as like shipping containers and and use of mycelium, are you saying that it's largely at this point chosen for ethical reasons as opposed to cost reasons where a company wants to be able to say hundred yeah. percent recyclable. Yeah. Like, like Ikea doing this, it's like when I was looking at what the prices were, it's kind of, um, it's slightly more expensive than styrofoam, like for what they're the kind of stuff they're doing, but it's not that much more. So by them doing this, they can then say, 
we believe in going sustainable and we're and we're putting our money where our mouth is. But I think they're also realizing the scale that they're working at, those prices are going to be driven down because they're buying them in such scale. Right. So I think they're looking long term. Five years from now, it's going to be cheaper. And so it's like I think they're they're kind of doing the math and realizing short term it may be more expensive, long term it will be cheaper. And then we also get to say we're an environmentally conscious company. So it's kind of a win-win for companies like Ikea that are doing this. Yeah. I don't have the numbers, but I know that things like paper and cardboard recycling, the percentage of use is not good. Mm -hmm. And it seems like using something like this as a way of sidestepping introduction, introduction of tree goods into life cycle of cardboard and paper would be a tremendous boon mm-hmm. moving forward that's it's really uh it's really it's such a strange thing when you show the images and it's this network of the root system effectively that grows yeah. into this fiber it's really it's really seems wrong in a way like sci-fi also, horror movie wrong i was gonna say i also missed a perfect opportunity for some bad Star Trek jokes in the episode because of the mycelium network from the Star Trek Discovery TV show. It was like somebody made a comment of, oh, those poor tardigrades. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I, should have, I should have been making jokes about that, but I, I missed that. A final comment from Christopher P who wrote, falls over new shoes. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm tripping on mushrooms. Ha ha ha. Please don't hurt me, he writes. <laughs> So, Matt, I have a quick question for you, and then I'm going to throw it out to our listeners. You are not vegan. No. I know this. I've seen no. you eat cow. Yes. My question is, you go into the store, you see mycelium food products that are meant to replicate various meat products. Do you give them a shot? Yes. 100%. That's like, great. Like I said, I'm, a, I'm obsessed with the Impossible Burger because I... I have no tie to cow, <laughs> but I like the flavor and texture of cow. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, if you can replicate that texture and flavor of cow, I have no problem going to another product. So it's like, if you can give me faux bacon as mycelium that tastes a lot like real bacon, count me in. I'm, I'm, I'm right there. Yeah, I'm with you. And if they can grow it in patty shapes and convince me that I'm eating a Whopper, I got no problem. <laughs> So our listeners, let us know what you think. Would you eat mycelium or have you ever come across a product that's made out of paper or plastic and this sounds like it could actually be the solution to replacing that in our usage? Let us know what you think and let us know your ideas of good places for mycelium to leak and grow in our industries. You can find the contact information in the podcast description. And you can find it, if you're watching this on YouTube, directly below the video. You can reach out to us there in the comments. We do have a way for you to directly support the podcast. You can visit stilltbd.fm and you'll see the support the podcast link there. There's a cookie jar there waiting for your coins if you're willing to give. And even if you're not willing, there are many ways that you can support us simply by listening, viewing, rating, reviewing, sharing us with your friends. All of those really do help the podcast. Now the podcast helps the channel, the channel helps Matthew, and then Matthew grows mold in his basement. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>